0: Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. This one's a long time coming. Uh, My guest is legendary Guy Fieri, chef, restaurateur, television host of one of my secret favorite shows, Triple D. Is
1: there background music for this intro? Yeah,
0: there's some really good... The the guy... Uh, I'm glad you brought it up. No, um, and we can argue about uh, certain kinds of rock and roll, but... um, No, it's the guy who does all the music for Billions did it as like a favor for me, so it's really cool. So electronic, good, mellow music. In the background. You, you didn't do any work ahead of time? You didn't listen to the podcast? I, I, I did. Watch? I just didn't know
1: if mine was getting nah, different music. Nah, it's okay. You didn't no, it's to. fine. This Mine didn't get... I want different music. So let's redo the intro what and you, uh, throw me a little metallic... Throw me some stones. You got some neon stones in the back. Fine. Throw me a little we'll license, uh, brown sugar Yeah, something. we'll license the stones. That'll we'll be, be good. License, Why don't sure. we just have someone... Go, there's a guy down on the street corner with a uh, milk bucket and you can Four, get him to play for three, it.
0: Four, three, two, one. Brown sugar. Thank go. Okay, everybody. Which, at least be, we're starting
1: this off right between
0: us. We know that brown sugar didn't just pay play, but because we can't pay for it, but guy will think we did it. And so that's a win of some sort. That's good. And the yeah, majority man, of
1: what you think you're going to be told is truthful. Anyways. In so. fact,
0: I got Charlie Watts yeah. at the end of this. Charlie Watts is going <laughs> to be out be here, right here yeah. and just ready to jam with yeah. you. We set it up. Jamming with
1: Mick and the stone.
0: We set it up for you. Um, right next door. So I, this is a long time coming because I've been a fan of guys, um, for years. Um, and uh, I really do, there, there are times that I will come home from making the show and I will have recorded like seven episodes of Triple D and I'll just watch them. Do you, do you know, um, I, I didn't write this question down, but just thinking about it, I mean you must know people do that, that they sit there and they binge it over and over again. What do you think it is that, about that show in particular? What is the magic of that thing? And Did you anticipate that it would hit people the way that it did? You could never
1: in a billion <laughs> oh, wow years tell me that this was going to happen. There would have been a better chance that I was going to jump Snake River with Evil Knievel. I mean I wanted to be a daredevil. I, I thought that was going to be a great, you know, or, or, or I wanted to be a rodeo, you know, I wanted to ride bulls. But to think well, you would
0: have that, done it with an actual motorcycle, right? Not like evil in that half rocket hey, thing. Hey, listen, the now, man
1: did what the man did. I got the big evil Knievel tattoo under the arm. I so love a, my yeah. I, uh, yeah. But I, 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 think the, I think the deal is, uh, no. I didn't think it was, I, I never even, people said, oh, did, did you dream of this? And I said, no, I couldn't even have a dream like that. Yeah, I'm going to ask
0: you about what the dreams were, but do you, what do you think as you've thought, like as you've thought about it, can you figure out what the magic sauce of that particular show is? It's obviously like your personality, your enthusiasm for it, the way you curate the thing. But it's, like anything else that's that successful and that cuts across that broad uh, a swath of the world. There's some extra thing going on there.
1: It, it, I think what it really is, and I've never really had to encapsulate it like this, so I'll just try to give it to you in bits and pieces, and you can yeah, You, you can make it? your uh, collage of, of, of an answer. I believe that everybody... Uh, Food is a common denominator of all people. I think that's one of the first and foremost. Second, I believe that... Uh, People want to see the good and want to feel the positive energy and want to celebrate their fellow human in their success. I think that food uh, neutralizes people and takes away their stereotypes and their negative energy and their frustrations. And it's an escape. It's an escape for a lot of people, sometimes not in the greatest way. But I think it's all, I think it's a, culmination of all of those components coming together and it's and it's fun and it's positive i'm not into negative people say you know why don't you show the food you don't like that's just not my style that's not my energy as a person i'm not a negative energy person i'm not a negative energy i don't want to and why highlight negative energy you know it's uh, and and don't ever call me a food critic that's that's the farthest thing that i am um i'm a food highlighter i'm i'm bringing the greatest hits You know, That's awesome. Yeah. It wasn't Casey Kasem giving you the countdown of the worst things ever on the radio. No, you look forward to Casey Kasem giving you the top 40. So I think that's what it is. I think it's I really think it has to do with the positive energy and and the food is the common denominator, common denominator of people.
0: Also, a close watcher of the show can tell the difference between when you're genuinely blown away and when it's just like, good, nice job. I can see why people like it. You're not lying either. I don't, I don't think. Certainly I'm not like, selling
1: you a bag of beans, baby. It doesn't feel like it. It no. feels
0: like sometimes you'll just be like, good job. What's the next thing? And sometimes you can tell that you're really like blown away by something somebody's. Chefs, about.
1: some chefs that'll see it, just like you say, like my good pre pro for before this interview, um, will do their investigation. You know, they've watched the show for years and they'll say, we we'll go to commercial and they'll go, um, so did you, did you like that? And I'm like, yeah, it was good. And they'll go, well, you didn't like, you know, you didn't go like this off the hook. And I'm like, well, it was, it was good. And I'm like, don't be offended. I said, I don't like every single song that's on the Rolling Stones album. You know, there's ones that you like. Yeah, We keep going back, by the way, everybody, for a little insight. There's a Rolling Stones Bud Budweiser guitar uh, from the 89 tour. Yeah, that's true, to it. Yeah, from 89 so, anyway, just wanna, I hate when people do a podcast, you don't get the real uh, in-depth story. We can bring people wanna.
0: in. Yeah, we're in the Billions offices. We set up the mics here. Um and I walk guy into you don't want to know what the office looks like. No, he's um, right he feels this is depressing. It is. And this one we're in the now, there's not room. enough.
1: There's not enough neon. I guess neon or okay, seats. Um. Anyhow, so the the um, the truth of it is, and sometimes they'll say to me, "Well, what what would make it better, Chef? And I will sometimes say to, I mean, I, I'll, if they ask, I'll tell them. You will. I'll say, listen, here's the deal. You got to treat the bun. You right. can't take a bun out of the package put it down you've done all this work you got this fresh you know local beef you've grown the vegetables yourself you make this fantastic aioli and then you slap it on a bun out of a plastic bag and you didn't toast it you didn't butter it you didn't any you got to give it treatment and they'll look and they go, really? And I will go, yeah, let's do this. We'll make it. And sometimes we'll, before you know, the, we even leave the the uh, the restaurant, we'll go and bust it out a couple times. Oh, I don't awesome. have any problem. I mean, I've cooked all this stuff six ways to Sunday. I've been around forever doing this, so I know what, to, I know where they're going to miss it, and I'm not there to tell them how to change their restaurant. I'm not there to. That's not my job. That's not what my, my show's about, but if they ever ask, I always want to offer advice to them if I can and and help them out. I mean, as we all do as chefs, we all support one another and we all try to help each other grow.
0: Yeah, no, clearly. And and obviously you came up, um, working in restaurants and I want to talk about, I want to go biographical, but I want to, I want to start here because, um, a lot of people who listen to this, uh, are people trying to live a couple different lives at the same time. Like there are people working a job, but they're also trying to do some creative thing and move forward. and, And I, you know, you're someone who's obviously so busy. You have Guy's Ranch Kitchen. How many shows do you have on now? An Emmy Award? 87. Winning or nominated? Winning? Emmy Award winning Guy's Ranch Kitchen? Uh,
1: nominated. We're, well, we're, congratulations. We're so we're, everyone's a winner. Yes. Yeah, so everyone's a winner. <laughs> Listen, my belief is, and it's funny, I tell people that all the time. Before Clooney said it, did you remember when Clooney said it at the the, uh, the Emmys or it was at some awards, and, and he said, you know, everybody that's in the room, you've already won. You're here. Yeah. Well, I tell that to people that come on Guy's Grocery Games all the time, or yes. even that you know, when they come to compete, I say, listen, you already won. We yes. have thousands and thousands of people that are trying to get on here. You're here. You're now getting your time to promote your restaurant, promote your family, promote yourself, learn something that you've already won. So I, I do take it the same way. Getting an Emmy, na no, uh, an Emmy nomination on a daytime cooking show, which has been done and done and done and overdone. And to get that on a brand new show that I developed from the ground up is I'm I, it's actually my Out of all the things that I've been involved in, that's probably one of the most exciting experiences. Oh, that's great, really? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It's
0: great to see your face light up, like these things still matter to you in a way, like um, a new achievement or, yeah, I'll tell
1: you a story, I was at the end of my contract and at the end of this part of my contract where I was doing the cooking show, the daytime cooking show, because they want me to focus on these primetime pieces, you know, guys ranch or uh, guys, grocery games and guys, big bite. And, you know, my travel specials with my family and so forth. And I said, hey, listen, I've got this great idea. I've got all these chef friends that are so creative and eclectic. And when we all get together and cook at my house, because they'll, we'll leave the set of guys grocery games on a Thursday night, sure. everybody will yeah. come to the house. And we'll have this big cook-off, and everybody's one up each other. I mean, it's hysterical. It's like a jam session with, with musicians, and everybody going on their own riff. Yeah. So I went and said to the network, I said, "Listen, I got six more episodes of this, this you know my cooking piece, which was called Guys Big Bite back in the day, which ran for ten years. I said, let me just do this little freaky thing." And they're like, "Come on, you're crazy." I'm like, "I may be crazy. I may be crazy. Someone should write a song about that. I may be crazy, yeah. but I think it'll work." So we did ten episodes, and it gets the Emmy nom and everybody we were just over at food network a little bit ago still laughing about it and now we're going to do 14 this next season that's great yeah
0: that must feel yeah man that must feel awesome that's the so fun but do they really still um i was talking to uh, andrew about this a little do they still not just immediately say to you like okay let's make the show when you have an idea
1: i mean you've proven i believe you've proven it at this point you know what it is is i have Hundreds of ideas. I'm an idea. I mean, I'm always thinking. I'm always. Sure. I was just over there. I just. I don't. And I don't pitch shows in the conventional pitch ma- method and manner. Um, I I pitch them with okay. G- get a pen. Write this one down. You know. Right. And, and yeah. we do this um, like in night good. shift. Like night shift. Mayo in the. They they humor me. I he think does. they. You know, crazy guys coming up again. Uh, listen to him because sometimes these work and. Um, but I, I go over a lot of stuff with them and I'm always trying to, and not just for me, I'm trying to do it for my friends, for the other talent that we have in the network. I'm doing trying to do it for the network. I'm a big fan of the network and what it's done for me. And I feel that I'm always trying, I'm always in the, in the position of trying to make sure that I can help you know that any way I can participate in, in who do you need what talents where what do we what are we working on so my new my not my passion project but it really is is all these chefs i bring in for guys grocery games I try to really coach and help develop and listen to their ideas and help them curate their ideas into a reasonable pitch that yes. kind of stuff.
0: but so this is the question I was going to ask which is like what does a typical day for you look like uh because how do you find the time like, how do you manage your time So, you have creative time, time to plan, business, family time. Like, I journal and meditate every day, and
1: then I
0: do my thing. Like, do you have any sort of routine or rhythm to your day? I still want to meditate. We, meet, I can, I can help.
1: No, I've, and I've tried. I really my help. mom meditates. My mom does yoga. I'm, and I love when I do meditate. I only meditate when I have to meditate, like when I really am, like I can hear the sirens. Okay, <laughs> when the, when the plane <laughs> is making that, you know, when, the, when it's coming in too hot or when the brakes are smoking, uh, that's when I meditate, yes. and I'm good at it. You know, I've got my breathing and my four corners and all that kind of stuff. You know, I got, I got my little thing, but. um, I wish I had more of a sensible style of, uh, of operating my day, but it's it's up, when, I, when my feet hit the floor, I'm running.
0: When do you wake up
1: most um, days? Between six and seven.
0: And do you immediately check email and go into business
1: mode, or do you? Oh, it's from the get go. and you know my my family's my most that's my my whole life is my family is my most important uh, aspect and focus but so once I can make sure that my family's going in the right direction so that's Ryder who's in 6th grade and that he's off to school and doing his thing um, it's you know making sure that Operations of the ranch and the house and the family and the projects are going. And then it's right after that, it's into critical email, critical text. And that's all from six thirty to 7. Then 37,
0: you're doing all that. You're doing a check in on it's, all the it's, family. It's on both
1: like, boys, you're doing a check going in on both the, boys. Check in on both yeah. boys. Well, Hunter's in college, so right. you know, he's sent a college te- schedule, so he's 9 30. You'll check in at yeah. some
0: point with him. but so you'll do that, and then by seven o'clock, you've done like an emergency check-in everywhere. Basically, we
1: know we know what we're getting ready to deal with, right? You know, but we have there's a pre-established uh, schedule that's made every day at five o'clock on the previous day. This is really interesting. What do you mean? It, well, we call it the lock. Okay. Okay. And so, so what's the, the it's, lock? It's this. Oh Jeez. So this is useful. So the lock is a, a schedule for the next day that is written in detail. That encompasses everything and anything that may involve my day. So if it's yes. um, an interview, it's who's the who's the interview with it, and pre it's it's forecasting what's coming up and making sure that everybody inside of the knuckle sandwich team, yes. which is from our publicist at Rebecca Brooks, to our management team to our agents, to uh, my mom and dad to my wife, everybody gets this. So if I'm not if I'm off the grid That's great. From eight to eleven, I don't have people blowing my phone up because they know that I'm in some type of crazy. Sure, no, like
0: I sent an email to my family, a text right before this, like guys, I'm gonna be off the grid for an hour and twenty, and I'm doing this guy Fieri. That's what's happening right now. So, um, but you set it up the day before so that everybody's aware of it, and then do you have room to move within that? Like
1: there, there's room, but it's like it's like calling NASA, you know, it's like calling Houston and saying, you know, it's hey, listen, here's what's happening. We're running late here, but that's the reason that there's so many phone numbers and contacts and information. I hate being late. Yeah. Um, I hate putting people out. Um, I feel a responsibility. You know, you got all your time and energy that's going on. You're a service
0: industry. One thing I've known people don't really understand about chefs is that they're givers. They want to make everybody else happy. Don't wanna, yeah. They do. It's an amazing thing. You know, a lot of my friends are chefs and I, I watch it they kind of can't leave the room until they know everyone's okay.
1: Oh, I'll be, I'm, I'm, it's very funny you say that because I'll so often ask, I'll be at people's house and get up and ask them if I can get them anything. Right. You know what? You want another cup of coffee? You know? Yes.
0: No, I mean, even Dave Chang is my good buddy. Even Dave with his, you know, he'll, he'll say like, I'm the biggest asshole possible, but, Honestly, if you're there in his world, he's determined to make you have a good moment yeah. somehow to blow your mind with
1: something in his way. Well, that's why I mean I think that's the reason I got into cooking is I uh, love making people happy. I remember when I was a little kid, the first meal I ever cooked or like the most this, yeah. substantial meal that I ever cooked. I was 10, and I just remember my dad taking a bite of this steak. We didn't eat a lot of meat when I was a kid. Uh, my parents were kind of vegetarian, vegan, macrobiotic. Even cooking. growing up, they were. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So I remember, you know, anytime we could have meat, it was like, you know, holiday or something. And my dad took a bite and he set his fork and knife down. And I sat to his right at the table and he looked at me and he looked at my mom. and He's still chewing on the steak. And he says, uh, that might be the best steak I ever had. Wow. And I remember, and I still, I can feel the same emotion. I can feel the same emotion running through my body. Just like, oh, let me get this straight. If I cook... I get to make people happy okay that's the great that's the key and if i cook we can have what i choose we want to eat oh yeah and i don't have to do the dishes i said <laughs> this is the triple parlay trifecta of a lifetime and i was 10 and that really hit me when people say the bolt of lightning like what are you supposed to be what are you supposed to do what are you supposed to go to like how you know how are you to, what's what's your future that was I didn't know that it would turn into a business for me but I knew that cooking was That was would the always, perfect. Yeah. That was the salt that was fat it.
0: sugar hedonic experience. Boom. Crush you with the whole thing. Yeah. The moment is brought to you by the hit Showtime series Billions, uh which is uh created by David Levine, Andrew Sorkin and me, and uh Levine and I are the showrunners. It stars Emmy winners Paul Giamatti and Damian Lewis. If you listen to this show, you know that um i spend all the time i'm not here basically working on this show and the feedback this season already has been incredible people are loving uh the cat and mouse game between giamatti and lewis but also all the action with the other incredible uh characters i can call them incredible because this is a commercial for the show but um i do think these actors are amazing and it's a, a privilege and a thrill to work with them don't miss the Amazing, awesome new season of Billions with new episodes every Sunday at 10, 9 central, only on Showtime. My listeners can get an extended 30-day free trial of Showtime to catch up on the first two seasons of Billions by entering code MOMENT at GetShowtime.com. The offer expires April 15th, so do it. Download the app today and watch Billions. We're going to go back to, I want to go back to like that childhood time and the growing up thing. But in this you day, sure this isn't
1: some like pre-organized therapy session. Yeah, well, a lot my people, think, people <laughs> think that it is sometimes
0: <laughs> everyone leaves feeling better though. Yes. Um No, but this is the, the question. So in that day, the, the lock, the sort of crazy day that you have, do you have any, when do you have like the time to think and ideate and breathe? Do you build it in for yourself? Do you build in time to no, plan or when, think or?
1: No, but fortunately, we do build things like exercise is a real big thing for me. So, so that's I'll, built into the schedule. Right, so I'll go from six thirty to seven. Will be the immediate check in. Seven thirty to seven twenty is usually uh, coffee and uh, protein, sure. you know, shake or bar or something or you know, fruit salad. Then uh, workout is an hour and a half. And that has to be really held straight. You have
0: a trainer who comes that, over to your house. No, you I, I
1: have my little regiment of rowing machine, elliptical, treadmill. And You weights. do it yourself. Yeah,
0: you just do it yourself. Yeah.
1: No, and it's and, and if I don't do it, I really get, I really have to do it, especially when I'm in heavy uh, um, production time. Yeah. So when I do guys grocery games, we we delay the grocery game shoot um, more than you typically would in a show. We start at ten and finish it 7 or 8 or 9 versus starting at 8 as a lot of production because will. of the exercise because i have to be able to go i got to do something if that's i don't burn about, that, that, that off thing's... if i don't burn that off i go into the studio it is not i mean not that i'm hard but i it's just not the same energy
0: yeah sure got to get mean, those
1: endorphins man you got to get all that stuff out for, and
0: the good good the good chemicals got to get the free stuff in so you do that that so that's when when you're exercising and stuff that's when you can sort of get to some kind of alpha state
1: where Maybe an idea shows up, or you're like getting. You want to know what happens when I have Yes. Yeah. I watch TV with no sound and subtitles. I play loud music and will typically be running my cell phone or my iPad at the same time.
0: You're answering emails while you're no, watching. I
1: don't answer. I read. I catch up on everything that's I can't catch it. It's that real. So sick. It's real wacky stuff, and it drives people. And then, if anybody wants to capture me, particularly my dad, yeah, will come in and stand at the front of the treadmill.
0: Oh, that's perfect. and have a
1: conversation with me.
0: And then he's fighting with the he's fighting with the iPhone basically. Yeah, there's
1: a joke in my family about when you can get an answer out of guy. And I was just telling uh, Rebecca, who's my uh, my publicist for years, and we were talking about the right time to get the to get a question from me. Um I'm you got to catch me early in the morning or late in the afternoon. You never in the middle of the day can you get a real clear answer.
0: Because you can't focus. You can't turn can't focus. and focus. I, and, moving. I te-
1: and I tell them all the time. I say don't bring me this stuff when I can't nail it down.
0: But during their workout is a time you can. Yeah,
1: but that's when I can give answers. That's when you'll see the funniest thing come out. Isn't Amazing. It? And I've, the funny thing is, I've never talked about this. It really makes me sound whacked out, more whacked out than I am. No, but man. It,
0: it doesn't. All of us have a thing. I listen. It's become accepted that people meditate, but I mean, I do get up in the morning and I can't. You can't really deal. I won't do anything until I've written three longhand pages in my journal. Really. And then meditated. That's awesome. And then had coffee. Like I ha- So everybody has their weird way to get pointed in the right direction for the day. Anyone, especially if you have like, like you, you know, I don't have the um, industry that you do, but Dave and I run this thing that has hundreds of people and making this show and I gotta make the show and I have to write the show, right? Dave and I have to write the show and then edit it with our editors. So how do you, I'm always trying to find a way to get myself pointed in a way that, exactly what you said, if I don't meditate or if I don't do the journal, which is like the dumping of my head on the page, I'm impossible. Because I haven't centered myself. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I, it's we all. So I don't think it's weird at all, dude. It's like uh, this is what I want to know. Like you have so much going on, how do you manage it? How do you keep yourself from exploding at people during the day? From like saying this is too much and just
1: you know like lighting out, like taking off. Because obviously, part, you're an independent spirit too. It's it's funny because I think about it every once in a while, I'll see. Every once in a while, the clouds will part, and I'll see the whole universe that's going on in my my world. Yes. (laughs) And I... (gasps) You know, I'll take. Uh, you know, I kind of have to. I have to, and I have to talk myself off Like, okay, you know, that's why you built the team you have, and you have the people you have, and you do the things the way you do things, and so forth. And you know, I'm really into empowering people, and I'm into uh, the, my team, my the unity of my team. I wish this guy Reed Strathern, who's my COO of uh, of my company, um, I really try to not micromanage people. You know, which has not always been my best uh, in the past when you know as a chef, because you wanna make sure that you're on top of everything. But at some point in time, you gotta give the reins to certain aspects of the program to others, otherwise you're gonna you're gonna burn yourself out.
0: Right. right. So, so you realize that. Right. But your way of realizing it isn't by like writing it down or sending a note to yourself. Do you talk there are people you talk to, so you talk to Reed, you talk to your wife, obviously your dad, to get yourself and that's part of how you figure out what, okay, right. I have to learn to let go. Because I mean, I've read about you, and I. It's funny when I saw that you managed those Louise's trattorias. Like I was going to LA a lot in the early '90s, and Crazy. I would go to that one. The one on was it on Larchmont? I would go yeah. to the one on Larchmont. In I like, think it's still there. Yeah, my. But I would go there in like 1991. And I was
1: there running it in maybe '93. Yeah, so I we was still go- I was still,
0: I was still definitely going there. That's what, you know. And um, but the detail. That to manage a bunch of those restaurants.
1: like Well, you get yourself lost. I tell my managers all the time when I had the restaurants in California, I would say, you'll lose yourself in trying to chase all the details. You've got to empower people to be able to cover you look at any great you know leader and there's generals and there's there's a, there's there's levels of organization and operation and you got to be willing to not have to control everything and and I think that that's you know yeah. to me to talk about it you know, I'm I'm very big into into the philosophy of of the program and then the um, sharing of the information and I think that that all kind of in its own zen way gets me through the immediate desire and drive of control at all. Yeah, rest of rest rest of yeah. taking all the control. Exactly. It's
0: really hard to let go of something you built. I mean it is something that has yeah. your name all over it and that
1: we're opening in Dubai right now. We're opening restaurants in Dubai. And that to me six yeah seven years ago would have been impossible to do without me being there. Impossible. Sure. And now, fortunately, I still have to go there and I still got to, you know, and we will all still have my critical walkthrough and this will all go. My, but the reality of it is my team is so good. I've got such great people around me. It's like with yourself. Yeah, you know, you, you can't go edit every second of, of billions. No, we have great you, editors.
0: We come and, in and help them. When and
1: we. you get to sit there and really curate the fat. You know, to really sweeten the, the the great spots, and that's kind of what we all have to do. And I think that the people that I know that are, are super successful have been able to put the right people in the right place, relinquish at the right time. It doesn't mean you just throw caution to the wind, but you really do um, design it and design it right, and put in your safeguards and all that kind of stuff, which takes time, but it's what's proven.
0: When when. When you were growing up, when you were that ten-year-old, so oh, sorry, one more question. Well, about I say, the thing.
1: Don't say "growing up." When I was younger, you mean? That's good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when, um, when you were uh, well, at the end of these days. So, like you said, from five o'clock, and then is there a time when you check out on it, and then it's just your time to live the way you want, or is it all scheduled? No, it's it's uh, up until bed, like up until almost bed. Is it scheduled?
1: No, it usually turns off at about dinner time. And dinner's a big thing for me. That's a we play the dinner we play dinner jeopardy, dinner, dinner roulette, dinner dinner feud, dinner uh, whatever you want to call it, but it goes down in my family like a high stakes poker match. How? Oh, what do you oh, mean? The kids will start with their campaign for what you should cook. What's going down? Or like and, who
0: you are you ordering in sometimes or oh, no, no, always no, no, making it. No.
1: The only time we ever order in is Chinese food. And um, other than that, we cook every night. You and your wife
0: night. cook, or you? I it? cook.
1: Um, but we have a thing, so it'll be like you know. Well, you know, last week we had. You know, yesterday we took. You know, we've got Friday. We're going, so there will be an organization. You know, my my son Ryder is always trying to create the pivotal point of Pizza Day, Because <laughs> right. that's, that's a his, national that's what he... That's a national holiday yes. weekly. Um, but we have a real big negotiation on, love uh, this. on dinner and it'll go back. My wife and I will send te- 10 text messages in a day about dinner choices and read my mind. What do you think I'm thinking for dinner tonight? So
0: who's going shopping? Is she, or you, uh, you, or will one. you make the list of what you need?
1: Yeah. And you'll one. send, or she some, knows so well. I mean, we've been together for 25 so years. You'll save so you'll say the thing and someone yeah, can go so get we'll, the produce. We'll go, it's there. We'll go out. Cause you yeah. can't go anymore.
0: I mean, you don't have the time to freaking which go I love and do them. it.
1: Of you course. want to talk about my meditator? Going to the grocery store... Yeah, I want to know this. ...or a farmer's market is the... It's the it's the ground level zen, man. I'll sit... I could go to grocery... I have the greatest grocery store in the world. A like guy's grocery games? Yes. When we go to break, you'll find me. I wander the aisles and just read the labels on this crazy sugar from Brazil. You just love it. And just... And people are like... Is such a weirdo
0: so do you if you're going through the farmers market and you see like oh wait that that farm stand wasn't here before that that will I cook nine different vegetables for dinner tonight yeah, yes you will
1: oh, right. oh to the point where it drives I'll come home when I'm gone on the road for three or four days I'll come home in the next day um, I'll cook or when I get a real day to cook I'll cook nine things for dinner no organization of what they are we'll have leftovers like crazy oh, that's awesome and we'll and and then you know the game of cross-utilizing the leftovers for the next day.
0: I love leftovers so much. I was listening to a podcast uh, from The Ringer, Bill Simmons' place. Uh, Sean Fennessy was saying he doesn't eat leftovers, and I can't understand it. I love leftovers.
1: Leftovers cannot be too branded, though. Okay. What so, do you mean branded? So if you make teriyaki chicken, it's teriyaki chicken. Yeah. But if you make uh, an an Asian influenced chicken that's not so heavily branded with all of that sweet teriyaki sauce. Oh, yeah. You can take that and cross utilize that into You can make a new thing out of it. Indian curry. Sure. Okay, so that you just can't take your dish over the line. So like a lot of times I was doing some, I was doing some uh, veal, uh, veal or um, uh, uh, pork tenderloin and peppers. Uh, the other day we were up skiing in Tahoe and uh, we have to rent a place that has a kitchen. We can't, I can't eat out.
0: So you have, I'm going to ask you the eat out question in a second. I have I a real question I about out, it.
1: I, 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 I can't eat out. I drove around for 35 minutes before we came here today, trying to find a place to eat because I'm that, I want my own diners driving tonight. I want somebody else giving me locations I could tell go. you, I was
0: going to get, have you, have you hit Prince Street Pizza yet in New York? Mm-mm. It's the best Slices. So i went by a little I'll chicken you place you guys go.
1: got down here from the studio little funny yeah. little chicken roasted chicken joint with like 15 handmade salads of quinoa and farro and oh. lentils and, was that all right? and that's all my jam all right good oh yeah so i ordered like four salads and
0: what this is what i was gonna ask people don't know this but i've seen it enough times like if you went into a restaurant in the city at night for dinner they would destroy you with they would send so much so people don't really know what happens when chefs Famous chefs, but even not even famous chefs. Like if you're a chef in a really good restaurant in New York, they won't give you a, t- a check and they'll bomb you. So when you walk in, one of the five most famous chefs in the world, in the country for sure, what happens? How do you manage it? How do you tell them like, listen, dudes, I'm not that, like, what? Because if you it's, walk into even Daniel, okay. if you walked into Balud's restaurant, Love he Daniel. Would, yeah, he's the greatest, Love Daniel. but he would destroy
1: you with food. So what do you do? Walk? How does it happen? So... You can't, there's no rhyme or reason how it's coming, okay? You don't know if it's going to rain or if it's going to pour. But I will tell you, this just happened to us the other day. This is so funny. So we're leaving Hawaii. We're on the big island of Hawaii, and uh, my son's had a spring break. And so we stop at the little, um, at the airport restaurant, and it's air conditioned, we're sitting inside. And so we order a few things. I had like a, a teriyaki chicken bowl and so forth. Well, the kids ordered like, I think chicken wings and some french fries it was kind of a limited menu yeah sure but they they were doing a good job with it well then like five other dishes came out yeah so now here we are we've got eight dishes of food to four fietis And people are coming over trying to take pictures and stuff. And my wife kept going, "We didn't order all this. We didn't order this. We didn't order all this because it really looked like we were binging." Of course, but that's what happens to you
0: in any restaurant, right? They're gonna basically drop a bunch of stuff and make it.
1: The restaurants that I know in particular, and you know, I'm and, and I appreciate it. it's all so kind, and I'm the same way. I mean, I it's I'm not giving somebody food at one of my restaurants because they can't pay for it. It's the gift I can give. It's somebody can sing a song, somebody can paint a picture, somebody can tell a joke, somebody can post yes. it. I can make food. I mean, if
0: Danny Meyer walked into one of your restaurants, you're gonna give and him the not, menu, and
1: not because I Danny Meyer can't pay for it. I mean, that talk about one of the kings. It's it's because it's paying homage. It's it's the it's the you know. But I love that. I always it. tell my friends also. I said because we did it, don't feel that you need to live leave a two hundred and fifty percent tip. You know, my team does really good. Give them a nice tip. Give them a you know. But don't don't feel and don't. And don't feel. I tell people don't feel weird about it. I want to do this. I'm doing this. But do you I want feel
0: to. good about it when they do it to you? And do you leave the two hundred? <laughs> See, you do, right? I'm telling you what I don't want them to. Yeah, but what do, do. <laughs> what do you do? This is what I'm saying. Because you walk in. This is what the thing like. You walk in and they bomb you with the food. Like, like, um, I've been in this situation on the receiving end of it. It's amazing. You're so happy about it. But you, I mean, I, you definitely leave the.
1: Right. I mean, you. You know the ones when it gets tough is when now you hit the you know you're here you're full to the, to yeah, the eyebrows, and there's and, more. And here comes dessert. We've taken all nine desserts we had and we've just pared them down to small <laughs> eight people bites. You know, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna die. So do you go and say to people? Do you sometimes say
0: if you've gone to a friend's restaurant more than once, do you say don't kill me, don't kill me tonight? Or uh, you just I'm, take it? I
1: will just say, you know what? I'm eating light. I'll just be having the salad. And you do? Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't work, work, does it? No, it doesn't
0: it work. Doesn't. So, hey, man, when you were a kid, were you were you like popular? And did the teachers understand that you were smart? <laughs> right.
1: Did the teachers understand? No, this is important
0: because a lot of people who want to do stuff feel thwarted by the fact that the teachers didn't recognize them. Right. A lot of people feel like that judgment from teachers is final and that they don't. And it, it makes them feel like, well, I must be dumb. So, uh, like, that's why it's, I think it's an important question for someone like you who built his own empire, his own way. My guess is that they didn't um, take you aside and say, boy, guy, you're my favorite student. You're the smartest guy.
1: I was not, uh, I, was a, no, I wouldn't say I was a troubled student, but I definitely wasn't um, academically, uh, academically advanced. Right. Now, my dad taught me, I did a ton of critical thinking when I was a kid. I was never allowed to say, my dad, if we were driving down the road, yeah. and my dad would say, um, what are you thinking? That's I was great. not allowed to say nothing. If I said nothing, then it was on, right? Because he would say, "That's bullshit. You you are thinking about something." So what? Oh, you can't say bullshit on your show. Oh no,
0: say oh no, you can say motherfucker on my. Okay, shoulder. good, you say good, wrong.
1: Um, good bullshit. So, but my dad would say, "That's bullshit. What do you what are you thinking?" I'm thinking, well, I don't understand why that tractor is out there in the mud right. and it and nobody's on it, but it's running. And my dad would say. Okay, well, let's break it down. What do you think's going on? Oh, that's great. So, who's track? And we would spend the next hour going on and on and on about this tractor, but it was always in this aspect of developing the greater perspective of how things and where and why and why. You know think he
0: was conscious that he was doing that? Oh God, my dad was. A, he's so smart. Right. So he's it was saying. a conscious choice of like this kid sees the world differently. I'm going to make him feel well, good, and I'm going to draw him out. And he
1: did it. To, he does it to everybody. There's a joke in our family. Yeah with my nephew and my two sons. And the joke goes like this. Jules is my nephew, great kid, uh, a freshman in, in San Diego in college. And Jules says, you know, Uncle Guy, he says, sometimes when I ask Jamps, what time it is, I just want to know what time it is, not how the clock's made. because <laughs> <laughs> awesome. you asked my dad, we call him Jamps, and you'd ask Jamps, hey Jamps, what time is it? Well, how does the clock work? Right. You know? yeah, and and that was the funny thing is my dad was always so, and he still is so so amazing, and i and I attribute so much of that to, uh, to him, but that critical thinking. so at so the- did
0: you then know, okay, um, even when you were not being a good student and the teachers were giving you whatever, did that thing from your dad let you know? I'm smart enough, like I'm a smart oh, guy. Oh, so you oh. had no
1: doubt about your own capacity. I was reading The Matrix early. That's what I want to know. I was reading The Matrix really early. and I think that I think that we, you know I talk to kids a lot. I, I'm really into kids. I believe that the kids are the future. I think we should be taking a way, we should be taking a lot more time and energy of focusing on, the, the, not just the exposure to kids, but the time with kids and the awareness of kids. They are the future. They're, they're the next, they are our leaders. I don't know where people think they're going to come from. So I, you know, I notice a lot of kids say manners are not a real big deal. You know, when we were kids, manners were, you know, you always please thank you and a handshake and a look in the eye. And I have these little I have kids all the time that ask me for an interview and I'll just, or for an autograph and I'll say, uh, okay, let's try it one more time. How, how would you ask that again? Right. And they'll go, okay, please have an interview or please have an autograph. And we'd work on a handshake, and i try to teach all kids how to do a really good handshake. I said, introduce yourself, you're, surprisingly what is important. your name? Your name's Paul. Paul, nice to meet you, where do you guys go? To school? I said, tell me a little about yourself, and, and engage them to be present in the, in the moment. But back to, you know, back to yeah, my- Yeah, when you were a kid, when I was saying, a kid, you saw the my, my dad, I was never pushed into doing anything. I was never, I didn't have to be great at this, or I didn't have to be great at that. I had to be present. I had my responsibilities, I had my jobs, you know, I was responsible to feed the horses, feed the cow, do the, do, chop the wood, do that kind of stuff. But um, my dad would always tell me, find something to do, or I'll find something for you to do. And watching TV was not an option. Right, okay? you had to do something. Yeah. And so when I was in sixth grade, I had a variety of businesses when I was a kid. Lawn mowing, uh, lemonade stand, you name it. And um, and I I was, we took a skiing trip to Tahoe, and I was eating steamed new york style pretzels for my whole lunch right 50 cents a piece i had five bucks for lunch i ate 10 pretzels a day okay i'd never seen one of these i'd never seen one of these things before a steamed pretzel with salt and mustard on it you gotta be kidding me that's like from the heavens but we'd never seen them i never had seen them my dad says well if you love those pretzels so much he says why don't you open up your own pretzel business and I said, like, how would I do that, Dad? So, again, h- how's the clock made? So there, on you know, we sat there and sketched it out. And I spent the next I don't know six months building this cart on the back of a three-wheel bike with my dad. So some kids would go on fishing trips with their kids, or, you know. Some kids would go to baseball practice with their dad, you know. And my dad and I built this cart, and uh, he made me go to the bank. What? In you're sixth grade, grade?
0: You're twelve, 11 or twelve, 12 or something yeah, like 12 that.
1: Twelve years old. And I, he made me go to the bank, and I had to fill out the paperwork and open up a checking account. Yeah. And so I had this cart and we called it the Awesome Pretzel. And so I would ride the three-wheel bike with the yeah. pretzel machine on the back with a little burner and a stove and made steam and I'd seen the pretzel. And I'd sell it at fairs and rodeos and, and anywhere I could do, do some business. And did you
0: have confidence then? Were you already good at selling? Were you a pop... Like, you must have been, just by your personality, you must have been, I'm not saying the most popular kid in the whole school, but you must have had friends, a group of friends and been able to manage yourself, or I did could, you grow that in yourself? I could
1: carry myself as a little kid. With a conversation with anybody. I mean, I, but that's right. the way my parents taught me. I think that's how I was raised. Maybe it's just inherently who I am anyways, but my parents really being kind of hippies of the 60s. Um, not dope smoking hippies, but just, you know, they owned a leather shop, right? you know, and my dad self-raised himself. His dad died when he was a kid, but, you know, and so it was just this, but it was the things my dad taught me. You look people in the eye when you talk to them.
0: Yeah, crucial things.
1: I, I did a book. I was in a book the other day, not the other day, a couple years ago, and uh, it says that they asked her give you a quote for new dads. And it's the top. I, so I gave a top 10 list of things you got to teach your kid. And my dad saw the book the other day and he goes, I read the book and the thing. What did you say in there? That was the best part of the whole damn book. I said, it's the shit right, you talk me. It's taught all your shit. It's everything said, you said. I am glad you like what you wrote, Dad. Yeah. And it, it was those things of, you know, be honest, don't take what's not yours, you know, have a good handshake, believe in yourself, you know, don't quit, you know, all these kinds of things that no, I think. No, they seem
0: basic, but actually a handshake, looking someone in the eye, makes a surprising amount of difference. Because you have such a short amount of time to make an initial connection. And other, if you don't do those things in a way, that communicates a bunch of stuff you're behind the eight ball for the you have a lot to go to get back even just to the even playing
1: field you get your introduction and you better it's like that elevator pitch you know you know you were in the biz gotta have it can you get it down can you get it succinct and uh and especially with kids you know there's so many kids and there's so much going on the world's so overpopulated and all this kind of stuff's taking place we really need to give the kids the best foot forward and i think that those just the simple basics of manners and and um, presentation. You're, I, I, you're right.
0: Here, here's the thing. Um, so you had the supportive environment at home, clearly, and you were fine at school with the, your friends. Um, but I've read a couple quotes where it's clear that um, when people underestimate you, it fires you up. And
1: like, uh, cause well, I was a hippie kid. I wasn't. I wasn't. You know, I played all sports wasn't the, by any means close to being the best at any of them um, did a, had an eclectic mix of habits, um, all types of things that I did and but never but never never been into judging people, never been into get being judged right And I don't know why people and but some people feel that desire to judge each other and to judge and, I, and I, it's interesting because that to me is counterproductive to success. Of Worrying about what other people are doing My dad always told me My parents always told me Don't worry about what anybody's saying about you
0: But did you live that way Or did you let yourself When someone would Would you get Like I find a lot of people um, When people said like It won't work out Or it can't Whatever They get angry And that anger helps them Do you not Is that not fuel for you (sighs) Ah
1: I would say that it wouldn't be directly about me because I don't think that I even tune that in.
0: So that's good. Another great way to deal with it. It's, you don't even listen. You don't hear it.
1: I don't pay attention to it. What I don't like. I give a shit that somebody that I don't even know is going to talk some shit. That's just so okay. I mean, I, I get, there's just a lot. And, and that's the way the world is, unfortunately. But no, what mine was is once I could see the gauntlet, yes. once I could see the path of potential, like opening my first restaurant was yes. the most difficult thing in the world. Okay. Being a dad for the first time. Most difficult okay, thing in the world. Okay, when
0: opening your first restaurant. If I would have asked you like the day before you opened your first restaurant, how old were you then? This is you'd come back 20, from France. 25. If I no,
1: would 26. have said to
0: you define success. What does success lo- like look like for Guy Fieri? Opening this goddamn restaurant. That's it. <laughs> that was the that was the whole ambition. And I'm saying like if you, did you have an ambition greater than that? Did you think I want to be this world famous person and do all this and be on television. All I wanted to be. Yeah, what did you want?
1: All I wanted to be was a great dad. If my kids looked at me with half of the admiration that I look at my dad, then done, super success.
0: So you know, we have this thing in common. I've talked about this before, but in all of your studying of the podcast, you must've missed this, which is that Um, You
1: uh, note to everyone, uh, tune in before you come in.
0: (laughs) But no, here's the thing. Um, I was a blocked writer before I was 30, and I couldn't do it. And when my first child was born, I realized that to be the dad I wanted to be, I had to chase this dream. And if I didn't, I couldn't be the father that I wanted. Like My whole, whole career, my whole life, it basically turned on this idea that the only thing that mattered was figuring out how to be a good dad. And then if I was thwarted and didn't do the thing I dreamed of, I'd be a shitty dad. If I didn't try, if I didn't at least try, I knew I would be angry and bitter. Yeah. So like, I totally understand that it might sound like a platitude, like you're just bullshitting around, but I get it.
1: I see in your eyes, like being a father was the thing that mattered to you. If I hadn't been a dad and if I hadn't taken that path, one, I wouldn't be here in this scenario. Um, and this opportunity that I have, I would not that I would be dead, but what's kept me going in this career path that I'm in now with television and restaurants and, you know, this whole big, you know, energy that's going on has been the grounding of yes. making being a dad the priority, because that's what keeps it all somewhat tamed is that I can't let it get too out of control. I could get really out of control. I have a buddy of mine that's going through a bad situation and he's gonna get divorced and I'm scared to death of how he's going to behave now with his situation. And I just wonder, I look at myself and say, nah, I don't think I would've ever turned into being a real complete uh, crazy person, but I would've had a better chance at it. So I think that being a dad is what's kept me. So as you, as it propelled you, it grounded me. Makes total sense.
0: Yes. Are you struggling to sleep? I will tell you that I hate those nights when it's hard to fall asleep. And the one thing you want to know is that your mattress is right so that you feel comfortable and safe and um, helped to sleep. And the fine people at Mattress Firm want to help you. Mattress Firm, aka America's Neighborhood Mattress Store, can help you stretch your budget a little further when you're looking for ways to improve your sleep. These are mattress experts here, people. And they are not just mattress experts. They can straight up help you build your bed from headboards to adjustable bases to sheets. They even have bedroom decor. They've got you covered literally and figuratively. I hate puns, but I will say that it's valid. It's a valid pun in this read. Please go to mattressfirm.com and save 15% with the code podcast15 through April 10th. Mattress Firm offers 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and 120-night low-price guarantee, so you know you paid the perfect price. Again, Go to mattressfirm.com to learn how your sleeping could be tremendously improved. Plus, go to mattressfirm.com and save 15% with the code podcast15 through April 10th. You made a deal with your dad that was if you got a certain grade in a French class,
1: right? <laughs> tell Just quickly tell us what that was because this set Man, you in you motion. You dig some shit up, don't you? All right. So, my parents, uh, we had exchange students when I was a kid and my parents and i this is one of my quote this is off bar um off pace but um we ate a lot of eclectic food when i was a kid right. i was eating sushi when i was eight and we ate a lot of we had macrobiotic food we ate a lot of steamed fish veg i mean we ate everything and i always say to folks give your kids an open palate you'll give them an open mind you start understanding the culture and understanding bulgur it's a huge thing it, it's really big okay please it's one thing i beg people to do teach your kids how to cook it's a fundamental life skill that they need to have. They'll make better decisions. They'll make better decisions of what they're giving their bodies. I mean, I get on and I go, that's a whole nother podcast, um, which by the way, this is a lot of fun. This is a you're, great jam you're session. Great, you're you're great a, you're, you, you, you keep the pace. Um, but it really came down to this. So we had exchange students and I wanted to be an exchange student. I wanted to go to another country. I was young. I was maybe, I don't think I was in eighth grade. I want to go and we And in our town that we went to, that we lived in, this little town of Ferndale, you couldn't take Spanish until you, I think, were a sophomore or a junior. We only had one language class. There was only 150 kids in the school. Wow. Well, I knew that if I took Spanish in junior, senior, I'd be out of school, I couldn't be an exchange student because all these kids coming from Norway and Sweden were taking English English, since fifth grade. yeah. So... Ironically enough, my parents always, we were like a soup kitchen at our house. So there was a stranger that came into town or a friend or relative. Everybody was always eating at our house, which is the way now at the Fieri House is still. Um, and uh, we, there was a guy named Pierre Lachaud, and Pierre was selling corks in Napa. And he had run into my mom's great aunt while in DC at a church. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to Napa. And he says, oh my, she, my Aunt Grace said, uh, uh, my, do- my niece lives in that area, which we didn't. We lived five hours from Napa, but it was Thanksgiving. And um, she he didn't have anywhere to go. And so we invited him to our house. We'd never met this guy. So we're sitting there having dinner with this French dude, big thick accent, and we're talking and the light went off my head. Bing, this is my ticket to, to France. France. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to work it. So I'm in eighth grade, and I kept in touch with Pierre for two years. Sending him letters him
0: was not email then. So you were, sending, said, you were I, sending handwritten letters. Handwritten
1: letters on that Euromail stuff, you know, yeah. that was the letter and the envelope together. Yeah, that big together. envelope. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. So uh, anyhow, the deal was with my parents, oh, if, I could pass, if I could pass conversational French, I was a sophomore in high school at this time, if I could pass conversational French at the junior college with a B or better, then I could go to France. Not an official exchange thing. They would send you to France. Pierre Lachaud knew a guy named Monsieur Pelletier who was the principal in the high school that had fought with the Americans, that was a big American fan, that was going to let me go to this high school and knew of a boarding house I could live in. Amazing. So I'm 15 years old. I'm driving with my mom on my lunch break from high school to the junior college half an hour away. She would drive me. Then when I finally got my permit, then for the second semester, sure. I drove myself. I didn't learn a thing in the class, but I passed with a beer
0: better. Not knowing how to speak French.
1: Cause all the, all the, the teacher would do is tell stories of the, in the Champs Elysees and Sacrebleu, and he'd drink wine and tell us stories. And all these cute <laughs> college girls, just this little kid is in the classroom. I was 15. Uh, I was I, a little kid yeah. still. And they all helped me and I could, pa- and I, I passed the class with a beer better my dad put me on that plane. They drove me to San Francisco and put me on that plane. And I was scared out of my fucking mind. I mean, I was like, what am I yeah, doing? What did I get myself into? I had a into? conversational French handbook that gave you all the common terms. And I flew there, and I, got, I landed in Paris. And Pierre picked me up, and he drove me to this boarding house. And I was away from my mom and dad, and I was away from my sister. And I was freaked. Scared and I had shitless. A, and I couldn't speak a. I couldn't, speak, couldn't a word. speak a word. I mean... I understand you could say but of okay. course yes I could, could order, order a, yeah. I could put a sentence together I understood conjugation I didn't,
0: but I didn't have any like But also people can't really understand there was no internet and so it was entirely different you couldn't you couldn't GPS your way around there was no right I didn't you had talk to talk to
1: my parents for like 4 days and when he did it was still the line the the lines that ran underneath the ocean Right You know with the delay when you would talk this is 1985
0: No yeah I know
1: So it was the craziest thing and, and then, then you
0: start eating all this food right was it mind-blowing to you?
1: Oh, not... It was It was actually counter and mind-blowing. Well, what because, happened? Well, the family that I lived with were... I mean, we don't even have enough. You don't even have 24 hours of podcast to get this whole story down, but we'll revisit it. But I'm going to tell you this. The family I lived with was, was not really that great of a family. Ah. And... I learned to survive by going to my other friends, my French friends' homes. You mean you made eat,
0: French friends and you'd go to their and house. And I would
1: eat at school. They had the best school lunches in the yeah, whole sure, world when you went to school in France. So,
0: all right, amazing. We Yes, we don't have time to go through the whole trip, but it was a- uh, I gotta write a book about it though,
1: because I got some crazy stories. Yeah, why well, haven't you? You, know. wanna hear a, you
0: wanna hear a yeah, funny story? of course.
1: Next week, I go to Chicago to shoot Triple D. I am going to connect with two brothers that I met when I was 16 years old that were coming from London on a train to Paris. These They were 40 maybe at the time. They had just bought Rolls Royces in, in London. Wait, they were 40 years old? These and I was 16. You were
0: 16, yeah.
1: And I was, maybe they were 35, and I helped them order their food on the train and became friends with them and helped do their currency for them at the train station. Somehow kept in touch with these guys and um, lost track of them. And then they saw a triple D and they wrote to the website and said, might you be the kid that was on the train? Oh. No. And we're the, and da 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 da. And so I, and I had their email. This has been 10 years now that I've somewhat known them. And, and uh, so 38 years later, what how many? No, Thirty-five years, thirty-four years later, um, I'm I'm gonna see him when I go to Chicago. You haven't no. seen them since the train, even though you yeah. sort of kept in loose yeah. touch.
0: Crazy, huh? Oh, that's fantastic. And so the, the trip was like um, you learned a lot about the world. It was the there.
1: it was the beginning of the end. It was the departure from what I thought the world was. Well, suddenly it was a cosmopolitan life you saw, it, right? You it, saw, was, it was over. I mean, it was, I, I didn't, I came back, I never finished high school. You didn't. I, I didn't. You just got a, what'd you do? I, I, I quit school. I went, I went directly to junior college. I couldn't go to real co- college because I didn't take the SATs or any of this. Thing. Right. Um, so I'd really only made my sophomore year because I didn't take it. I mean, I took classes in France, but I couldn't speak the language. Did you
0: start working in restaurants immediately?
1: Immediately, I wrote. I matter of fact, I wrote letters from France to restaurants in the town, explaining what I was trying to do. Matter of fact, when I finally ran into one of the owners of one of the restaurants, he said, "Oh, you were the crazy kid that wrote the letter from France. It's from Ferndale. That was." He goes, "We never knew what the hell that was all about." Thank you. I'm an exchange student from the United States, and I live in France, and I want to come back, and I want to work in your hotel. But no, but you got
0: a restaurant job. But okay, so we'll skip ahead because I know we don't have that much time. where were you in your life when you, the year you applied to Food Network Star, like to go beyond that show? And were you in your mind living the life you were supposed to live? Like, did oh, yeah. you or were you yearning for something else?
1: No, 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 no. I, I, I was, where doing, were you? Tell okay. us exactly where you were. So I was 35, I was 35. Um, had a married nine year old son. Yeah, yeah. My, my wife, uh, Lori, we were pregnant with our son, Ryder. I had, done all the i was i had a i had a little brief history with a drag racing career it's terrible um i was doing all the things i wanted to do i love music i was having i mean i owned four restaurants at the time in a small community so you're making a a really good living making great money um got all my stuff paid off and you
0: were famous in town like you had social a lot of social capital in town i I would
1: go to my kid's school and give cooking classes and you know And uh, it was funny because I have two aunts, Aunt Polly and Aunt Patty. And Aunt Polly and Aunt Patty would always say after every family reunion, you kid, you're missing it. You should be in movies. For real? They oh, would say God they are Still, you interview either one of them right now, they will tell you that the reason I'm here is because of them. Yeah, they it's said because it. of them. Which so, I love. Yes. So they would
0: say, you're missing it.
1: They would say, I'm missing it.
0: But did you feel that?
1: I never had. I mean, yeah, I want to be a stand-up comic one time because I love talking. You know, I love talking smack. I love making jokes, and uh, and so no, I never. Any answer so no, but somebody, I ran into these two guys one time. I was doing a barbecue competition, big one, the big one, the American Royal, and I was out there with all my buddies. And I had just opened a barbecue restaurant in California, and I'm there, and these guys come by and say, "Hey, we're doing a show about barbecue food, and uh, would you be on the show?" I'm like, yeah, you shoot, sure, let's fun. go, yeah. So they hang out with the course of the day. And at the end of the day, they go, hey, listen, we don't want you on the show. We want you to host the show. Wow. And I'm like, okay. So we do this little mock uh, demo tape, whatever. And it goes nowhere. But it was kind of fun. You know, was, I enjoyed it. And it talked about it. It got me talking to everybody in the world of barbecue that I always wanted to know. And yeah. blah, 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 blah. And that was it. So then this Food Network Star show comes up. And I don't watch TV. How do you hear So how do you hear about it? My I, friends would tell, "Hey, did you see this? There was a show on the Food Network." And I honestly, I could I could put together thirty minutes of the Food Network that I'd watched in ten years. Like five.
0: A, a five minutes of Emerald, a little bit of Mario, something. I,
1: exactly, Mario for sure. I saw a little piece with Rachel Ray one time, and I, and I thought, "Wow, these are people. They're really cool." You know, especially Emerald. You know, he was always the he always had the the, the most energy. But that was it. Otherwise, I'm watching ESPN or I didn't even really watch TV. I and mean, by the time I'd come home, you know, I'd go to sleep. When I'm done, I'm done. I mean, sure. I'm in bed at 830. Right. Um, which is another funny thing that nobody can do. They'll try to call me after nine. I'm gone. Hold on. I get it
0: now. If you start your day, you're, you're going all day <laughs> yeah. long. Yeah.
1: So anyhow. Um, so you hear someone says there's this thing. Yeah. Then my wife says, hey, listen, I was listening to a radio show. And they're talking about that Food Network star show. And uh, that uh, there's a se- another season coming. I don't know, Yeah. Whatever. So on and on and on. So then two of and my she buddies. And sort of saying
0: to you, you should think about doing this?
1: She's just saying, and other people are saying to her, hey, you know, you should have Guy do this, you know. Yeah. And we'd never even seen it. And back then, this was no Hulu or any, like, you couldn't go on the internet and see any show that had happened in the past. So I have no idea. So anyhow, um, two, but, two of my buddies, Rob Olmsted and a guy named Mustard, um, still two, two of my buddies, they said, uh, listen, you got to apply. And so now, the chips are on the table. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't even know what I'm applying for. I'm not doing this. So I delay it enough to where the the expiration of the entering is, you know, happens. And- It expired. It expired. And I'm like, okay, well, this is good. And you know, now I don't have to, I don't have to do it. And this is something I say to students all the time when I speak at schools is flat out, the reason I didn't want to do it is I was scared. Right, yeah, sure. And I'll be honest with anybody. I was scared. I want to go on television, compete against other people. I've seen a reality to, a show or two, be, look like an idiot, and come home? Oh, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, I am sure. satisfied with my life. I'm four restaurants, making money, living good, king of my little world. I'm fine. They wouldn't stop. Relentless. And so finally I sent the tape in. And... Uh, That again is another, I'll tell you, and listen, bro, when I tell you the story of how that DVD actually made it into the hands of the people at the Food Network, the casting was done. The show was on its way. We got time for this. You could just tell this. What happened? Bob Tushman, is he who... Well, Bob's involved in this. Bob's a great guy. Still a very good friend of mine.
0: I speak at his class once a year.
1: Oh, well, please tell him. He, he's, he's such a wonderful guy and such a, I mean, Food Network with so much thanks that's owed to Bob for the, you know, for the creation and and the and how he developed it. So anyhow, here's what happens. This is crazy. So my buddy that shoots it, Rob Olmstead, makes TV commercials for the little town. Your buddy we, who shot your,
0: your my test. My demo tape. Your test. Yeah.
1: Which is one take. It's not edited. It's one run-through take. And i now knowing from making producing shows that I watch what I did in three minutes straight without a break. No edits. With no no, edit. I'm like, well, this guy can talk. Right. So um, we make it. We send it. I send it in. And the casting department, well, the show's already cast. Right. But here comes in this late one. Take it, throw it in the DVD player. It doesn't play. So the casting director takes the DVD, throws it in her purse. And that's it goes home. She tells me this story a year after I made it on the Wait, show.
0: It doesn't play.
1: It doesn't. She play. could have
0: just been done then
1: Threw it in her purse. That was the end of the day, goes home, puts her purse on the table. Purse falls over DVD <laughs> slides out on the floor. She calls me and tells me this. I mean, I'm, and it still gives me goosebumps, picks up the DVD, pops it in her DVD player at home and it plays. And she sees this amazing three-minute run. Oh, no, you you got to go watch I'm this. Sure, I mean, you know, it's out there on you, the internet, Oh, yeah, right? you got to yeah. go watch this because it's me being a smartass. I was trying to make it so nobody would actually take it. Sure. Okay? So she plays it on her home DVD player, takes her DVD player out of the wall, and takes it back to Food Network. Amazing. Plugs it in in the media room and calls everybody in. And the beginning of this is real 1,000% smartass. Okay? Yeah. Me talking about making a sausage and tofu stuffed terrine. Oh, just fucking. On a bed of grape nuts, topped with a poached ostrich egg. You're just
0: fucking with everybody. Just everybody.
1: Just yes. like, oh, there's no way I'm getting yes. this job, okay? I'm going to make this so ridiculous. No way. And she goes to everybody. Now listen, just watch it in its entirety. Don't make a judgment in the first 30 seconds. And she watches it. They all watch it. And in. And, uh, and the uh, and they said call him, get him on the phone. So that's at whatever time. So by the time they call me, it's about nine o'clock at night in Santa Rosa, and I'm sitting there on the couch. And a couple of my friends knew that I had sent in the the. the but you hadn't heard anything. So I'm sitting on the couch, and the phone rings, and the phone rings, and the phone rings. And my wife answers. My wife's from Providence, Rhode Island. She's got a little bit of an accent, and a little bit of an attitude. She says, uh, "No, uh-uh, I don't know where he is. No." I'm I'm sorry, you're gonna you know because they had called looking for Gus oh, Ferrera. Your, your other name? Yeah. Your no, old. no, they, it was uh, or They for, uh, couldn't get the name right, yeah. and, and she doesn't know or something. Sure, no, no, and she goes, oh, hang on, it's the. She, she mouths, it's the Food Network. And I go, oh, it's the Food Network. You're right. So I get on the phone. I go, hello, Food Network. Blah, 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 blah. Because I know it's one of my friends. Of course, it's one of your friends messing around. So I am just, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And, she, and this lady goes, would it be better if I called back tomorrow? Oh, and I'm wow. like, oh, shit. Is this real? She goes, yes. I'm from the casting of the uh, next Food and I, go, Oh, shit. I'm sorry. She goes, well, we just want to let you know, there's a contract that will be arriving at your house tomorrow. Wow. And, uh, the contract was there and, but the rest of the story gets, if you think that's whacked, it's a, I shouldn't, I never thought that. I should write a book about that. There's some really crazy shit that went down
0: in terms of you getting there, really being on it and winning the show.
1: Never. And then when I showed up, my, my wife's eight and a half months pregnant, eight months pregnant. You were
0: fine to just be done.
1: I told the producers, when I, got there, I said, just so you know, she goes in labor. I'm out, like, you'll be sued. I said, sue me, right. I don't give I'm a my shit. My child's gonna my be born. My kid's coming, I'm fucking, I'm, and, and it was funny, because they had to get to turn your cell phone in.
0: Oh yeah, you right, reality show, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I just had two cell phones. So I just gave them the dummy one, because they told you that so you're you gonna have no to. So you had no
0: idea change. that this was all gonna, did you know your whole life was about to change?
1: I won. I come back to Santa Rosa. My business partner and our and our operations manager at the time sat me down and said, Okay, so how are we going to run this company now? I said, "What do you mean how are we going to run this company? We're going to be all famous and everything." It? And I go, "Jesus, famous? Have you seen this network? <laughs> Emerald, Rachel Ray, Bobby Flay, Mario Batali." Vita- I said, "Like they need me." I said, "This is bullshit." Right,
0: they're going to throw me on for a couple hours la, and I'm la, done. La,
1: la, la. "Let's get back to business. Let's go open that other restaurant we're talking about."
0: And the first show comes on, you do a few episodes. Just quickly, how did you come up with Triple D and pitch it to them? Do you remember?
1: Was it me? wasn't me. I'd love to take the, take Who, how the did it, it? I get a call. They'd given me a couple show ideas. And one I had to turn down. I did the pilot for it, but I couldn't do it. It was right. a it was a gitchy, gadgety show called Gotta Get It. And it got picked
0: up. But you didn't want to do it. You said, I can't
1: do this and show. And they said, okay, what do you, what do you mean you're not going to do the show? I said, no, that's not my thing. I'm not a gadget chef. I don't have a avocado peeler and stuff I just I, I and they're I like no 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 no, you don't understand it's a prime time show and you're gonna I, and going to get it's going and you get I, I'm, I, I can't do it well what could make you do it nothing could make me do it I don't want to do it I don't that's not who I am I don't and I don't even see the vision whatever so they called me about six three months later and they said another show idea for you it's called Diners Drive-Iners or Divers and I'm like what they said well the producer wants to call you so producer calls me. We have a little chit-chat about it. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I've never been to a, to a diner, really. I said, I've been to a lot of dives. Right. And a drive. And I said, yeah, no, it, it sounds cool. So we have a couple more conversations about the idea of this thing. And uh, I fly out, and we shoot a 17-day pilot, crazy pilot. We shot all over the country making this pilot. And this guy was really a genius. I mean, a, this producer really had a vision of what the show would be. And um, he ran the show for a few years, and then another company picked it up. But, what was that um, dude's name? The guy who originally. Uh, it was Page Productions out of um, out of uh, uh, Minnesota, and the show has developed, of course, you know, in with so many different, uh, with so much growth in it. But the concept was really true to what it still is, and that is highlighting these fantastic mom and pop joints. Did you have country. a sense when
0: you were doing it? Okay, this is the right thing. This works.
1: It absolutely worked because it was a hundred and ten percent of how I feel and what it was he he gave me a list the first day that that I did this show um the first show first location the Bayway Diner in Linden New Jersey still friends with the guy that owns it well sure yeah Mikey Junta so I go Mikey oh yo Mike um by the way can I get I gotta give a big shout out to Alex Cornishelli. Dude, Alex oh, is yeah. one of my favorite chefs in the whole world. I'll call, I call her I C A G. She's a big fan of the Iron whole Chef situation. I say, oh yeah, she loves you. She loves my. So I want to make sure she's listening. And oh, yeah, I, Alex, you got to
0: come on. Alex is going to come on. This is the without point. question. Alex, you're you're on the show soon. She's such a badass. She's
1: great. So um so so we go there and he says, okay, here's a list of things I want you to ask him. I want you to ask him, to ask him this one. I want you 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 to ask him this. One. I said, okay. So, okay, let me do. We have time? I, I don't. Yeah, we're fine. I've we're got all the time. To, what time but do I need? We can keep going. Just go a little bit more. You know exactly that the lock says. And what's happening right now is people are explaining it's the download. People are like when the things change at the train station. You know, to the
0: different. You're going to go to this Mikey guy in Jersey. All
1: right. So I show up, took the red eye on JetBlue. Yes. I show up. I'm in shorts, flip flops, and a tank top. The cab door opens. The guy Anthony Rodriguez, who's still the DP on the show, um, his nickname's Chico, comes up and goes, "Who are you?" And I go, "I'm the uh, I'm here for Diners, Drivers, and Divers." I couldn't even say it. That's, <laughs> that's, why, so that's why we use triple D. Right. It's that's because funny. I couldn't say Diners, Drivers, and Dives for Perfect. the first year. And he goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "I I'm, I'm going to be the host." <sighs> Audio guy, big bunny, David Canada walks up behind him and goes, who's this guy? And he goes, he's the host. <laughs> they were totally thinking they were getting like a main yeah. player. They thinking they were getting Bobby or, you know. And so they walk away just like, <sighs> so then I meet the producer and he's, you know, he's giving me this whole list of things. And I'm like, what is going on? He goes, do you have a shirt? I'm like, yeah. And so I have this work shirt, this Dickie's work shirt with the big panel on it. That's where the bowling shirts and all that come from. And uh, and, the short, and I'm in shorts. And sure, box. of course. He's get he ask Go ask these questions. I said okay. So I walk in on the line, and the place is jamming. It's a busy, it's a diner. It's open. It's working and people are talking. And there's a camera guy over my shoulder and I'm, and the lady's sitting there and she doesn't have any coffee. So I fill a little coffee and I awesome. like, do yeah. like this and with the cream. Hey, man, where's the cream? the cream. There you go. So listen, bro, how long have you had this? Yeah, you need some catch How long have you had this? So I'm moving and jiving and the hash browns are starting to burn. So I flip them and, we, and we're talking and we're, going, and we're going and we're going back and forth and he, and I asked all my questions and he yells to him, and he goes, What is this? What? Come outside. He goes, what was that? I said, listen, as a chef, I can't be on the line shutting down his world. Right. I got to, you know. And he said, can you do that again? And I said, can I do that? What I did right there? Yeah, that's how we do it. As, you know, that's we're, yeah, we're in the groove, baby. And he throws his clipboard down on the, on the thing. He goes, we've got a hit. Oh,
0: that's amazing. Well, it's a great almost place to end on. I have to ask you about Pete Wells before I let you out of here because... I got to ask about how you managed it internally. So the first bad review I got, our first movie came out. It's called Rounders. Um, You got a bad review on Rounders? Horrible. The first time in Newsweek the same day killed it. And they were out a week before any other review. And I thought my career was over. And I was in a curled up in a ball for the first, um, like for one night. And then I realized they can't hurt me. And it really was like a foundational story for me about how I'd process reviews. But famously, the worst, the New York Times, the most obnoxious review ever in the history of the Times was at one of your restaurants. And what I'm interested in it not it's not the bullshit review, but is in your internal process because all of us have to deal with this fucking criticism. And I just want to understand what I saw you when Savannah interviewed you. But what was in your? It's years later now, so like, what was going through your head, and how did you get out of bed the next day and just like walk through the street?
1: I just got back from New York. I was, in Oh, you had just gone
0: back. I, I was
1: in New York, um, doing a, um, charity fundraiser for Sandy victims and amazing. You, right. Doing good. You were here doing something good. Yeah, my dad says the uh, road to hell is paved with yeah, good intentions. And so I got back And the, just as we landed that night, the article came out and my manager Reed, who's, you know, my right hand man, he said, yeah, this is not good. And so drove home, takes a couple hours to get home. Uh, Did you read it right then? No. I paraphrased it. Read, got the basics of it. Uh, My dad always said, if you're not having a good day, go to bed. Don't sit there and dwell on things. So I went to sleep.
0: You did amazing. Got up
1: the next morning, read it, went over and saw my dad, and said, book a plan. Let's go back. Let's go face this head on. I'm not taking this shit. This is bullshit. And that is that is digging deep i mean that's not like oh i just put on my gladiator outfit no and it it's went. so hard you got to you got to stand up and face if there are there aspects of a criti- of a critique that are true absolutely is there sensationalism and bullshit and self-serving factors to it without question but in oh, a I- regular
0: review you take a regular review or a constructive like you know especially on a show like i have going on and on you can—it's a lie to say you just ignore all of it. For me, anyway, you—you you you go you like, well, wait—is there anything valid in this? And can I make absolutely. it better? But but that wasn't that. This was a different thing. It was, did it hurt your like? Did it hurt your feelings?
1: It hurts my feelings if someone tells me that they don't like my shoes. You know, I'm a person. I'm a normal person like anybody else. <laughs> I mean, I'm tough, and but I don't have—I'm gonna bullshit anybody to say that we don't all have feelings. Do I give a shit? I mean, nobody likes to say, hey, that sweater looks dumb on you. Right. But I you know? mean, you
0: can move, you can like, you, have you can move through it. You have and so to. you just got on the plane and you came and here. And that's what I
1: try to tell kids all the time is let's get, and we kind of talked about this at the very beginning of this, uh, this session, doctor. Um, we have to get through very pivotal times in our life and not let them cement us in this, this catacomb of defining us. And by no means was that going to define me. I was on the beginning of taking over, you know, of doing what I'm at 50 some restaurants now and worldwide. And what you have to do is you have to stand up, you have to be responsible, you have to, you have to look at it from all perspectives, be, be reasonable to what the situation is. You can, not just like you said, you gotta take the parts of it that are true, parts of it that you can work on, parts of it that are bullshit. And it's, uh, if anything, what it was, is finally, not finally, it was an opportunity to uh, walk the talk in front of my kids and great. tell them all that same stuff that I always did. You, know, you go back to school and you handle that situation with that kid, or you go back and you face that situation with your teacher, or you, you know, and so that was, uh, but it was a great, it was, uh, if I were to tell you that I didn't, I got a million times more opportunity and experience out of that situation than anybody probably ever could imagine. And
0: that's the key thing to leave it on, which is what he said in there, just slid in in the middle of that is no one was going to stop me on my way to like the world domination. And I have 50 restaurants now. Yeah. So what, what, what we might take from that as people, when, when something like that happens to us, we think our life's over. And in fact, you did use it a little bit as fuel or you did say like, well, no, I'm not going to let it. And you're me you're bigger now than you were then.
1: A, a tenfold bigger and that's the thing is don't let it define you don't let someone's comment about your sweater or somebody's comment you know it's this thing on it's so evil in the social media right now with kids and or with people in their business you know it's it's like take the credibility of who's saying the comment that your restaurant sucks or you know especially these folks with that are getting you know beat up in Yelp you know be a value be honest with yourself are you doing things wrong but in the same respect Don't hinge your whole success and future of your life on a bunch of people that aren't. Come up and tell me to my face. Write me a handwritten letter and deliver it to me. You tell me when you're at my restaurant that you think it's the worst... I am there to handle the situation. But if some anonymous person is going to run at the mouth on the thing, that's got to be controlled. And especially with kids in today's world, I don't think kids are developed with the strength or the self-esteem or whatever these other things, all these aspects are, that they need, we need to cushion, we need to protect them a little bit better than I think we're doing. I think this, this is getting out of control. And I think that there's a lot of damage that's being done. And I think that we need to, uh, we need to be... All of us need to pay attention to this because I think it can get well.
0: You're doing a lot in the world actually to do that. The message in all your shows is to tell people that they can be their best version of themselves, and you're constantly lifting people up, so you're out there actually Thank doing you. the thing. Thanks for being here. Same goes,
1: man. I mean, look at this. You've got a billion things going. No pun intended. Wow,
0: that's brutal. You got a billion
1: things going on, but uh, you take the time to uh, sharing these stories with people um, is so enlightening. And this is kind of what the you know all the different cultures did back in the day is they, you know, they took these they took the information and they passed it along. And so you're taking you're the wise man of the of the group and you're taking this information, you're passing it along. And so everybody that gets in contact with, hopefully my story or any of these other success stories that you've had come through here, that's that's the it's really that's creating the positive wave. It it really is, right. Is. It's also
0: important to get you out of here close to on time. You can find Guy, what is your what are you on Twitter? Are you under your own name? Yeah, Guy Fietti Guy Fietti on Twitter and watch all of his shows. I'm at Brian <laughs> Koppelman. Uh, or you can email me at the moment, pk at gmail.com. Don't complain to me about any of your guys' stuff, cause we <laughs> neither of us want to fucking hear it.
1: All right, goodbye. Well said. <laughs>